Hello everyone, welcome back to Blurred Box. I'm Chloe. I'm Haven. I'm Pooja. And I'm Sophie. And this is our podcast where we bring you guys interesting discussions every week that typically surround world events, human rights, and our lives and students in Stanford University's online high school. Today we're joined here by Aino Alkio. She's actually an alumni of our school. She graduated of class of 2019. She was the student body vice president and also a tennis player. And she's actually joining us all the way from Finland. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Hi. I know it's been a long time since you've been in high school, I'm guessing, right? How's things since graduating or what, what are you currently up to right now? Yeah, so I graduated last summer or spring, um, and I've been taking a gap year, so I haven't been studying much, but I've just been focusing on tennis and just training a lot and playing some tournaments, well, until the corona kind of stopped all of that. But um, yeah, I was supposed to just play a lot of tournaments and kind of focus on tennis this year, and then I'm going to college next fall. Um, But yeah, this year has just been kind of like relaxing a little bit from doing the combination of tennis that OHS which was kind of difficult um so I've I've really enjoyed having a little bit like more time to just focus on tennis and and put all of my effort in that yeah Yeah. very nice where are you planning to go for college I'm going to Northwestern oh Oh, congratulations Congratulations. (laughs) I know a lot of my friends right now are considering um taking a gap year before heading out to college or deferring for a year because of the whole um, COVID-19 situation. Um, what made you decide that um, you wanted to take a year in between? I just knew that I kind of needed a little bit of time to breathe and have, yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. know what, like, I don't know. I enjoyed having time to think about what I would want to major in and kind of have that extra year of, of finding what I want to do later on and also just have that time to really focus on tennis and I felt like it was really hard to be able to do my like best and perform at the highest level while I was doing OHS. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got the kind of chance to be yeah. able to um, focus on tennis, I, I really wanted to try to Would do you that. Recommend it to the students who are considering it now, do you think? Without knowing, you know, their like personal situation and everything. Like uh, taking it because of the coronavirus or? Yeah, like, do you think that it's been, like, beneficial for you to be able to, like, take that breath and focus on, you know, um, for you, like, tennis is a passion of yours? Do you think that that's, like, uh, something that we should encourage people to uh, keep considering? Definitely. I think it's super useful. I think um, even just having a year of kind of personal growth and maturity will help you take the most out of college, I think. Of course, it depends on, like, your personal situation and if you can take a happier if you I don't know I mean I, at the same time I think for those considering it now maybe if you're just going to be you can't really do much and you, you'll still be stuck at home in isolation and maybe then that's not going to be as beneficial as doing maybe online classes or taking advantage of being able to study but um yeah, I, I, I guess it does depend on like your your own situation but um I really felt that it was beneficial for me right glad to yeah. hear that I'm just yeah. curious, but um, why did you join OHS? Like, was it because of your tennis, so you had more time to pursue that? Yeah, so I've actually been living in Spain for the past seven-ish years now. Um, so I moved to, there to train in an academy, and so I've been training, like, oh, wow. um, nice. the days mostly. So we'll start at, like, eight or nine and then finish at, like, five most days, five or five thirty. So then I couldn't really do a normal school. 
Um, and I really wanted to still kind of focus on studying and not just do like a, um, uh, what do you, how do you say, like a distance school, because they're often like, here are the books and then you have the exams. But I really wanted to have a little bit more structure and be able to still have um, a relatively normal school experience. So um, that was kind of why. But then I really also enjoyed OHS. So that's why I stayed there. Sure. What's your schedule actually like now when you have this gap year and all this time? Well, you're, you're obviously completing and traveling. What's your schedule like on a day-to-day basis during this gap year? Yeah, um, so now I'm doing mostly the same schedule in terms of tennis. So when I have training weeks, um, we train Monday to Friday, like mornings from 8 or 9 to like 1, 1.30. Then I'll have lunch and then we have afternoon practice from 3 to maybe 5.30. Um, and then I think the main thing that now I have more time is like to do recovery after that, to go to the physio, to like really just do the things that maybe got neglected before. Um, and then I feel like I've just, um, taken more time to like cook and do like, I don't know. That's so healthy for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Also just living alone now or with a roommate, there's a lot of like cleaning and, (laughs) <laughs> things like that that you need to take care of so um I definitely didn't appreciate enough living at home, home last year yeah, yeah. I think that's a great way to transition from being a student to being an adult you know oh yeah I definitely need that breath of fresh air right like even now with the COVID-19 yeah. it's yeah. a good thing like the whole world has kind of like slowed down in my opinion like mm-hmm. everything has been moving so fast for the longest time right not just for students but for like business people and the fact that everyone has been able to like come to a stop I think is a really good thing so probably the gap year even without the coronavirus or with it now it's probably an even better option I think yeah yeah because we always tend to like overwork ourselves in high school we try to do everything even though we're just kids but I think it's really nice that you took a gap year and you found time to do something that you truly loved and you found time to better yourself so do you yeah, plan yeah. to pursue it in college when you go to Northwestern tennis? Uh, yeah, I'm on the tennis team there. So that's also a big reason of why, why I chose Northwestern. Okay. Chloe, you do tennis really competitively too, right? Do you guys ever have any overlap? Oh, yeah, I definitely understand. I, I've talked with, I know, um, uh, like just throughout the year as well, I've kind of like gone to her for her experience and expertise and to how balance the mm-hmm. academics and tennis because just – competitively traveling all the time it's takes a toll on you on your mental and whatnot and physical you know being cramped in a plane that's not fun uh, Mm -hmm. even without playing sport and then just balancing all the academics very rigorously especially with our school as you guys know so just Mm -hmm. I've been going to her for advice throughout the year and how to do that and how like she managed to survive and stay alive through all that (laughs) Um, yeah, she's been really, really helpful, and I'm really glad that I've had the opportunity to be able to reach out to her for those things. I think the main thing, I remember in, actually in Spain when I was there, are, are you in uh, the Academy of Sanchez Casal, or where is it? In no, I'm, um, I was in Bruguera when I first got to Spain, and um, then after two years, I kind of, I was first with a coach alone, and then now I'm in a team with two other girls um, at a club, so I've been kind of switching around, but in Barcelona all the time. But I definitely know Sunday because I'll be in a lot of tournaments. Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember being in, like, the physio a lot when I was training in Spain. Like, the, the training in Spain is very different from where I was in France. They just, like, continuously work you. At least that's what I remember. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of, like, repetitions. <laughs> yeah, they make you play. Like, they have a very different training style 
I remember from France and there was like, a lot more heavy spin. Yeah, let's not go into like the tennis part because I think we're going to get carried away with that. <laughs> My eyes are becoming <laughs> glazed over. So. <laughs> I know. Um, for, that's probably a different discussion. We can bring you on for another episode. Just you and me, I know. We can talk about that. For, like, Sports commentators. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what we're actually here for to talk about with Aina today is that um, she's from Finland, right? The interesting thing about Finland and in relation to topics that we've been talking about in the past. So if you've been listening to our past episodes, we've covered topics like affirmative action in our previous episodes and also on human rights uh, in other aspects like women's rights. Obviously, uh, we're a group of girls. And that's a really interesting and appealing topic to us. And so Finland has an interesting aspect in the fact of its gender parity landscape. I think Aino can probably expand a bit more on that, having being from there and also, you know, just seeing how that unfolds in real life, if that reflects at all from, you know, facts that we've gathered on online and what we can gather from, I guess, evidence and things like that. Um, I know, what is that like, or at least how, how would you be able to expand on um, gender parity landscape in Finland? Yeah, I think, um, well, generally, of course, it's seen as uh, a really a pioneer, I think, in gender equality. Um, but it's, I would say, um, it's something that growing up, I didn't really think about much. Like for most of my childhood, we've had a women president. It was nothing that was really different or new or exceptional. Um, of course, like now it's a lot in the headlines, uh, the new women, um, Roman prime minister. And, and there's a lot of talk about her being like younger and um, leading a government that's, um, I think it's like 60 something percent um, female. Um, so there's a lot of like generally just talk about how that um, has shifted. But I think that it's all, it, it comes from kind of having a history of really early on giving full political rights to women and having being really like um having had that uh long-term uh kind of foundation of gender equality so i think that it's nothing that is really new from these past few years but rather from the um you know if not the last century the last decades um yeah. i have a question so really just seeing how it's like finland has reached a point where I would consider, yeah, you know, it, there is equality there. Do you still think there is some like old forms of sexism or oppression still embedded in its roots? And have you felt that? I think that it's definitely not a problem that has been fully solved. Like you can say that it on like based on the numbers, it might be, you know, leading um, or being in one among the countries that have at least improved in terms of, of gender equality. But, you know, there are still, if you look at the top um, companies here, there's still, what, below 10% of the leaders are women or um, of entrepreneurs, 30% or something are women. Um, or you look at the, the, the engineering schools and below 20% are women. So there's definitely not... Um, I wouldn't go to say that there's, um, and of course, like, you know, women are, women tend to choose industries that maybe male don't, and I'm not saying we have to achieve 50 in, in everything, but um, you look at especially businesses and kind of the opportunities that are maybe given to women, and you can still see a lot of, a lot of differences. 
I was just going to say that since we were talking earlier about you traveling so frequently, um, you know, for competitive tennis, um, it, how, if you felt any difference in, you know, different parts of the world where you've traveled to, um, different European countries, if that's been, um, you know, like places with less gender parity, if you, if you felt like um, that around you, or if it's been harder for you to detect, because I assume you're not, you know, as involved in those um, places. There's definitely a difference. Like I've been to tournaments where if you are going from, I don't know, the tournament side of the hotel, I knew that I had to put long sleeves on and, and you can't just mm -hmm. go in whatever, or you um, are paying the taxi driver and they won't take the money unless it's from your coach who's a male or, you know, you're, you, there are situations like that. Where, where were these? Um, this was, I think both of these, one was in, in Qatar and, and then in Kuwait. Um, gotcha. so they, they, yeah, <laughs> they're, it's definitely a different feeling. And I, I think that coming from, um, you know, having spent a lot of time in Finland and Spain where these are not really situations that, uh, that have happened. Uh, it really also kind of in the other way, it makes you appreciate the progress. <laughs> like obviously there's still a lot to do, but, um, it also, I think it's good to sometimes appreciate or like acknowledge that, um, the things that we're doing to improve gender equality are so working and there's a lot of progress that have been, mm -hmm. has been made in a lot of countries. Yeah, I'm wondering, um, I think it's really great that there's so much gender equality in Finland and that females are really empowered there because we don't really have that yet in the U.S. or we haven't reached this, that same point in the U.S. But I was also wondering what um, the men in Finland have to say about the gender revolution and like whether they have a different perspective on women being empowered and women holding so many roles in politics or um, roles that maybe in the U.S. men usually hold. Yeah, I don't know if I have a good um, response to that. <laughs> I have, you know, spent the last years in Spain haven't like super closely followed the Finnish politics, but I think just from like personal perspective or like a personal experience, I haven't really noticed um, much of like a pushback of course there's for example now um i said that the government is like more than 60 percent female now there's like um has been some talk about whether because there's a kind of like an unofficial quota of 40 percent of either you know female or male that you need to meet um but it's not like you can't from the government because it's not in the in the um, like founding laws but um i think there are always people who are gonna feel maybe threatened with the, the progress in gender equality. And I think um, it's just going to be important to kind of emphasize that, um, you know, feminism doesn't mean women over male. It means right. having the same rights. Yeah. yeah. I think Finland has probably also been able to um, uh, kind of hold on to that too and not have as much backlash because Finland is, a very otherwise, you know, in many places, successful country. Um, I think that there's there's been some pushback, mostly I think because people are bored in quarantine. But on Twitter, there's been um, a repeal the 19th hashtag that's been trending um, in the U.S. because our 19th Amendment is giving the women women the right to vote, um, and it's not I, it's not like going to be seriously politically considered. I you know have confidence to say, um, but it is reflective. I think of a lot of people who 
you know, who are using this hashtag are saying like women were given the right to vote a hundred years ago and they've messed our country up and therefore we should take it away, you know? And it's, it's horrible, you know, like reading that. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can find some of those tweets to read. Um, but it's difficult, difficult because America has obviously had, you know, we have our ups, we have our lows and as any country does, as Finland has definitely also had. Um, but I think you guys have a higher um, standard of living generally in your, in your country too. Um, so I think that might be, even if it's not reflective of women in office, I think it's nice that people don't necessarily have things that they can point at and blame it on their gender. So Yeah, I but I also, I do actually think it's probably reflective to having a more equal like gender, like it's like females are, have more opportunities than compared to other countries. Oh, You're giving yeah. equal opportunity to everyone so they can choose what they want to do. So I think that does really reflect on how successful Finland is. And yeah, part of it is like just, you know, the, the success comes from, I think something I read was like from the World Economic Forum or something like that. They said like uh, they, in Finland, right, it's the most effective country at utilizing human talent solely because they don't, they, they support the women in that sense of being able to have like 50% and 50% equally well relatively might not be precise in the numbers but it it's close enough compared to like us for example so you know in what we've been talking about with like finland they have had women occupy all of the highest political positions before so like in the whether it's prime minister minister of foreign affairs minister of defense etc what is like president of republic like us is nowhere close to that so you know it's amazing to see how you know one country is able to do that but you know in the u.s it's like how is that something that you know we should be trying to follow obviously i think it's for most people you'd think yeah that's the role model but i'd, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think it's like is that's probably a, a model that we should try and follow in finland or you know there are problems in itself of following that in the U.S. solely because of different cultural differences or whatnot. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, there's kind of that, I, I think we need to still be able to look at why are, for example, in the U.S., why are we not getting a woman to be the, pre the president? Or why are you, like, kind of really trying to look at the deeper causes? Because, you know, you can, even if you did elect a woman president, mm -hmm. and after those four or eight years, you're still going to be stuck with a lot of problems in terms of gender equality. It's not going to, because you elect um, one woman to that role, of course, it's going to inspire a lot of girls and it's, it would be amazing, <laughs> I think, for all of us to see that happen. But I think um, even if that happens, we can't really forget that there are still deeper, maybe systematic problems that um, are kind of why, um, then that's kind of, or that's where they show, right? Like that's the outcome of having some of those issues and then looking at what those are. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was maybe right. no, Well, the fact that we still talk about, you know, that we're even having this discussion, you know, is something remarkable, I think goes to show that it, it isn't the norm necessarily, or that it is remarkable for Finland to have reached this point, um, meaning that they've had to overcome um, a lot of those systematic barriers. Um, I think a lot of that, we've talked about this in previous episodes too. Um, I've experienced this in like teaching young girls too and 
in our education system. Um, girls are, are uh, very quickly herded, um, you know, away from STEM-oriented subjects, um, socially conditioned, you know, to um, see what paths are available to them in the future. Um, so I'd be curious um, to look more into how Finland's educational system might differ from ours over here um, and how they might, uh, you know, teach that differently or otherwise, you know, um, encourage young girls to move into different careers. Like you mentioned, though, um, I think you mentioned that like women's enrollment at like engineering colleges was low and stuff like that. So that might be one of the barriers that is still similar. Yeah, but I also think it's quite remarkable that Finland has so many women in political positions because over here, I think while women don't tend to go to STEM, it's even less likely to go into a field of law or philosophy over here. Um, so it's really remarkable that Finland has reached that point where it has a majority female dominated political power. So it's impressive. I do think that um, part of it also just comes down to the mindset and the fact that um, I think young girls in Finland might have, you know, role models to look up to because there have been so many mm -hmm. um, Finnish female leaders in their That's country. True. Whereas in like the U.S. in our education system, we don't, young kids don't have anyone to look up to or anyone to read in their history books who are female presidents who, or who have even really been like huge female powers. And so I think that's kind of a turnoff for some girls um, trying to enter politics or they just like don't even think that they um, should enter politics or if it's even worth entering it if they might not be able to achieve their dream of, say, becoming a female president. Right. No, exactly. That's where the term breaking the glass ceiling comes from, right? It's not like, ooh, one of the women made it past the glass ceiling. It's more like she broke it so that other women are able now to continue moving up too. And this goes to show, especially in our previous discussion with Marie, about how important representation is for um, young children, no matter Absolutely. the gender, because that's what's that's, it's almost basically defining on what they're going to pursue because a lot of times they feel they feel motivated or pressured one way or other depending on the representation that's available. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just, I think, um, you know, seeing someone do a job or do something that you'd want to do. It's also having um, or entering into a job that has um, – people around you that are your friends and that you can relate to. Like, I think that it's normal to be hesitant to want to go to an engineering school where 15% are female only. Cause you know that that's, you know, of in, in a classroom of 15 or 20 people, you might be one of the only, uh, only women there. So um, there's definitely also that um, question of like the usefulness of having at least, um, for some time, some quotas or having, finding kind of a way to like break that loop where you're not getting more females because it's so male dominated and kind of, um, even if you don't want to, or you don't think that it's going to be useful later on to have like that 40 or something percent uh, minimum every year or, or for all, all jobs or fields, but kind of finding a way of, um, of breaking that loop and, and letting, uh, making it more attractive for women to enter jobs. And it's also true for some jobs for males, like nursing or, or right. more health or care oriented jobs, that it's really hard for men to think, okay, um, it's like 90 something percent females. I would love to be a nurse, but it's, you know, like it's, it's of course something that affects if your environment is, is not, you know, gender balanced. So I think um, 
it's, a, it's an interesting question to think about because obviously it's, you know, we might be either naturally kind of uh, prone to go to certain sectors or it might be also kind of driving that, um, the fact that it is already so gender imbalanced. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just really wanted to quickly mention um, intersectionality in feminism in Finland too, because um, I think it's interesting that Finland is a relatively, you know, ethnically homogenous country. Um, so when we're talking about representation, I, I do think it's a great thing that there's so many women represented, especially in like the political sphere. Um, but I, I wonder how many women of color are represented there too, you know, um, or if that is, you know, a goal of um, intersectional feminism that Finland still has yet to reach too, um, for, you know, every young girl to have a role model this same way that, um, you know, uh, the young men might. So I just want to point that out. That might be something to work towards. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, generally always the goal of having us as diverse um, kind of role models as you can. But of course, Finland generally is not as ethnically diverse as you said as the US is. So um, I think it's not as realistic for us to have, um, you know, the same percentages as in the U.S. of having different mm-hmm. um, ethnicities represented, but um, definitely making sure that there's no barrier for any ethnicity or for people who come from any um, backgrounds to enter, you know, a job or a political office or anything like that. So, yeah, I, do, I think that's definitely very important. Right. And so is there anything else actually that we should know or learn about from Finland's system that we aren't aware of? I guess like those things that Haven brought up earlier, right, was like the education system and how that differs from um, yeah. America, for example, that's for one. Yeah, I think, well, um, in Finland, it's very different from the, the, the US education system. So almost everyone goes to public school or if you go to private school, um, they're not allowed to charge any tuition. So you might like, you don't even really know which are private or public based or not right. really a difference in that sense. So. Um, that really allows for everyone to get a really equal education. So then kind of you, you have that equal starting off point um, and right. university is also free. So it's not, um, I think that's a really important basis for having those equal opportunities that sure. no one's you know, doing some expensive prep programs or additional, you know, um, courses because it's, you know, right. everyone has the same books and everyone has the same problem that's and you're all, all doing the same kind of having those same or equal resources so um, that's definitely a very um, important and appreciated point in Finland and of course also in generally in Finland the teachers are um, I would say more appreciated than in the US so um, oh, yeah. they're you know um, it's very hard to get into the the school for uh, studying to be a teacher and it's almost like um, people usually compare it to like um, the doctor or lawyer so it's it's that's usually... really important I think because that also incentivizes yeah. people to care about going into that field since our teachers are so underpaid and don't have the resources a lot of the time to teach their students that's interesting but I like how Finland is like making education easily accessible to everyone I sp- I think the reason why we have such big like divides here in the US is because of education and getting good education or like getting good test scores always often correlates to spending more money for better schools or just better tutoring or whatever it may be. So it's really nice that Finland is making education easily accessible to everyone. 
Yeah, and I think a small part of it is also just having um, a really equal um, kind of starting point for getting into university. So we, we only have uh, the end of the high school exams are kind of the only tests that you'll take, like nationwide tests that you'll take during your um, schooling until high school. So you take those in your last year and then you apply to, to universities either with that or then with entrance exams. So you don't even need to use those um, end of high school exam scores. If you did poorly, you can, uh, for most studies, use their um, kind of field specific entrance exams. So then, um, you know, it, they're public, public information and you can see everyone's score and, um, you know, who enters. So it's very different compared to wow. the US. Oh my God. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does Finland assign homework? And I, I think I've heard that you don't do that there. No, that's a myth. Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, no homework. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm moving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in some YouTube videos, I remember in actually no, it's just um, Spanish class, I think. Um, we watched like a YouTube video <laughs> about the Finnish education system. It was like dessert every day, no homework, <laughs> we sit on bouncy really? balls. Like, oh my God. Uh, I saw something like, like how people describe have... online school. Oh yeah. I yeah, saw something like you guys have free school lunch. Is that like another myth? That's true. No, that's true. That's <laughs> I'm moving nice. there. Come oh, on. Yeah. Like, you have to pay so much for a school lunch for, you know, yeah. Okay. But stemming from my previous point that the reason why I think America has divides is because of education. Do you see any divides like socioeconomically or gender or any other reason? Do you see this divides in Finland in any other way or case? Um, in education, I think it's very equal because it's, you know, you are really um, applying or like you really have that kind of same base. And then for when it comes to like entering university, you're all doing the same exams. And um, you know that kind of if you do your like, you know that you have a way of kind of affecting the outcome where I feel like in the U.S., students are often stressing for many years whether they're going to enter university or not. Oh, they yeah. might like oh, yes. in their first year of high school be thinking about college or probably are. Um, we're in the, in the, in Finland, I feel like um, it's not as much like people are taking more gap years and kind of, I, I don't know. I, I feel like high school is just less stressful at the time here um, than in the U S because you're always stressing about college and whether you're going to be able to, enter because you don't know if even if you get all perfect testers in the u.s that doesn't mean that you get into school or where you go so right and i'm pretty sure um correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that finland has like pretty low crime crime rates especially compared to the u.s and maybe that might also be um a part of the fact that people are given equal opportunity so i think a lot of times the divide between people can also come from people thinking that others might have more opportunity than someone else. Mm. And um, because of that, people retaliate or they get angry or frustrated because they think that they're constantly below other people. Whereas I feel like in Finland, what's great about it is that everybody has the equal opportunity to become successful. And it's just a matter of like how they choose to take that opportunity or what they choose to do with that opportunity. So I think that's a really cool thing about Finland. Yeah, definitely. But as to like the crime rate, I also want to point out like one thing that um, is definitely a big problem here in terms of gender equality is like sexual harassment and domestic violence. Um, so okay. I think it's like um, almost, what is it, like 40 something percent that report having been physically or sexually um, like abused or um, 
having had uh, experience with physical sexual violence um, after turning 15 or something like that. So it's, you know, almost half of, of all women. I think it's almost uh, um, double the average rate in Europe. So it's yeah. definitely so a professional wow. representation doesn't equate to. Do you think that there's like a higher percentage of these harassment cases because people, women feel more able to speak out due to having a lot of women in power? Because I feel like I've heard a lot of stories that a lot of people also in different other countries also experience the same, but they don't tend to speak out. So they don't get counted in those percentages. So yeah, maybe there's a correlation be. there. Yeah, I don't know how the study was done. So it could definitely affect that depending on how they, uh, but I think it was pretty anonymous. So I think it was probably, um, fairly representative if it was like an analysis survey, but um, there's definitely a problem with having pretty poor resources for victims, like not enough shelters. Um, and also just, I think, a general culture of people not wanting to um, have a part in other people's business. So if you hear something from the neighbors, you're supposed to, or not supposed to, but like people are very hesitant to kind of put their nose into um, things that don't belong to them so I think it also can come from like a general culture of not um you know asking like sorry what's happening or, or things there's like also that. I I think often um like a an unintended consequence of having you know a lot of women in power or having the majority um is that often those claims of like sexual harassment or assault are somewhat invalidated um, so if you were to say like, I'm experiencing this at my work and they say, okay, but you work with 10 women and two men, you know, how is that possible? Um, you know, I, I think that that's existed at workplaces in the U S, um, where women have, uh, you know, a majority of holdings there. Um, and you would think, you know, like Sophie mentioned that having more women in power might make you feel more comfortable talking about it, um, or seeking justice. But a lot of the time, um, it's actually more difficult because, men still have some intrinsic power um, and their ability to, you know, ass assault women, you know, so that's something that you can't really take away no matter how women, how many women you fill in a room. Um, so that's still kind of a, a power dynamic that exists and it's hard to overcome, definitely even in countries like Finland, um, where on the outside, it seems like there's more equality. I think there's definitely still those personal power dynamics to have to struggle against. Yeah, for sure. And I think there are a lot of just um, unconscious biases or things that affect women that we might not notice in numbers. So, you know, all of us are probably like if we're walking on the street and it's dark, we're all going to be relatively more scared than um, a male would be. You know, I think right. um, it just You're still women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, there's still, even if you achieve, you know, um, half of the CEOs being women, it doesn't mean that there isn't still a lot of kind of problems on the other side of, of achieving gender equality and kind of that um, general just respect and um, how do you say, like perspective on the two genders, so. Yeah, I think I want to say one thing where all of the very good benefits that we've all been discussing kind of in awe of just because of that huge stark contrast between what we're used to seeing in the US, which is where most of us are kind of based, um, well, three of you, <laughs> and um, between Finland, um, gender equality is not the like only fix, I guess, is one thing to take away, right? Um, what we've been talking about, it's one of the things that 
have a lot of good, but also just in our really messed up society and world that we live in, it's not the only fix is probably one thing to preface to, um, I guess, the general um, discussion of things. Yeah. So yeah, Haven, if you want to add on to that. No, I agree. Um, I think that seeing Finland having made such great strides in gender parity is great. Um, I think that, um, I know you've pointed out that that doesn't solve everything um, for women. Um, I've tried explaining to my male friends several times when they ask why, you know, I, I'm careful around men, even that I trust, it's because you'll, you'll never really experience, you know, stepping into a room and feeling physically, you know, vulnerable. Right. Um, a lot of the time um, inherently so I think that's something that still exists um, and the discussion about education I think that's something that um, Finland has definitely taken a lead on too I think healthcare is also important I think that's also granted women um, a lot more um, autonomy too um, so I think that also links back so I think we've seen that there are a lot of different threads um, that need to come together to kind of um, weave like a complete picture of what gender equality might look like. And that's healthcare and education and, you know, um, overcoming personal biases. And um, I think we just have to keep working towards that. Yeah, for sure. And I think they're all kind of, kind of support each other. So if you have, um, you know, women getting the, the manager positions or anything else, it's also gonna reflect back to maybe more equal, um, you know, work in the home, like you're gonna be, uh, I think at least in Finland, women still do like one and a half times um, the amount of housework that males do. And the general, um, I don't know how your experiences have been, but I think that there's still a very strong um, kind of unconscious expectation that women are going to be maybe taking care of the children or picking up more school or maybe doing right. more of, of that work. So I think they're all going to kind of support each other and as we improve each one hopefully as quickly as possible they can also kind of drive um all of the kind of different aspects forward together exactly yeah, and there are definitely like, a lot so. of hidden hidden bias or like little things that kind of herd women in a certain direction one of the things that i i have an ear for is when people talk about dads like babysitting their kids as opposed to moms just doing their job and watching right. the children you know i think that's one of the kind of um hidden biases that we see a lot. Yeah, and that uh, links to the role of women, actually. That is something that we'll talk a bit more on and we have in our next episode next week, where we'll actually bring that into context with law and uh, one of the instructors in our school who will be coming on to kind of discuss this with us, uh, having her background in law, even uh, despite being the head of our English division. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah. So what's something that we do with all of our guests that we bring on for this podcast is we have something called our box segment, hence the word box. <laughs> Basically, think about this box and inside this box, kind of describe words that you would use to describe, or in general, words to describe Finland and its people, and then outside of the box, words probably that you wouldn't use um okay so first i guess inside uh the box i would say um i can put it out there you don't have to use just single words because we often have trouble with that you can like use phrases or sentences too. <laughs> okay um i guess just um generally ask people maybe um where 
like introverted in the general like of course there are exceptions but i would say that's definitely one characteristic by introverted i'm actually curious do you mean by like um because i lived in france for quite a long time and having been in europe I, I, i can't subject it to just finland but i have been there for like tournament and such but growing up in europe and having that culture it's kind of like when i went to america it's a very different thing where just i wouldn't say it's introverted but it seems that way just because you usually just keep to yourself it's not that you're you're in and you don't want to talk to other people but it's just kind of like we mind our own business and we don't really feel the need to make super really <laughs> but not like <laughs> yeah. it's not superficial conversation yeah. but like you move over to the u.s and like this grocery guy started oh, small talk up. Yeah, exactly. Oh be like, yeah. Day, yeah. Do you need anything? Yeah. Especially like, in the south. Hi. If you go to the south, for sure, you can't get in the elevator without. Oh, how you doing? Yeah, you know, weather exactly. today. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I that's like one of those things yeah. that I think might be one of the um, what you might call like introverted. I'm not sure whether that's like anything related to what you were thinking, but um, that's kind of just from yeah. my perspective of growing up there. No, definitely, and I think it's that sense of like. Um, oh no, strangers walking by me, what am I going to do? I'm going to look away quickly. Like, it's it's very different than in the U.S., I feel like. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time there, but I definitely get that. And also just comparing, like, Finland and Spain. I think first um, going to Spain and, you know, everyone's giving two kisses, and I'm like, wait, oh my God, what's yeah. happening? Like, yeah, that's something you do in France, <laughs> too. You do it on, like, under both cheeks. That's a really huge cultural shock, too. Americans, we're not fans yeah. of that like six yeah, no. feet apart now with coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a joke about like finnish people in the elevator like if they're looking at your shoes then they like you or like are willing to talk Aww. to you normally I've like, heard that. their own shoes <laughs> oh. that's funny it's like no eye contact but if we look at your shoes and then... <laughs> <laughs> i guess one other thing that maybe to help you out in thinking of that i want to say And like that's con- probably related to like introverted, but like cold might be one of those yeah. like words that are on the line there. Because like, have you heard that you guys when um, and this is globally, right? The colder the country is, the colder the people, and the hotter the country, or like really? closer to the equator. Have you not heard of really? that? That makes no, sense. I have. No, I mean it checks out just thinking about it. Because yeah, like, I've heard it. Weather defines yeah. people. I heard it. Right. So when you like maybe think of Iceland, well, okay, Iceland is just. Um, deceiving in itself because Iceland wasn't named after Iceland like for that reason you can like check that story on Iceland <laughs> Greenland. Greenland yeah I know right yeah they it's so fun they've always thought of that exactly but like those countries that are closer to north usually you think like they're colder countries colder climate they're colder people does that relate I in any way I know yeah and I think there's just generally more of a culture of you know staying inside staying within maybe your family whereas I yeah think compared to Spain, you know, you're spending even on weeknights most of the time outside, maybe in like the plazas or in a cat like a restaurant, just, um, you know, spending kind of more time in the community, I think, um, or having, so like, I feel like in Finland, it's like, okay, you want to meet with a friend and you're going to have like a meeting for like next Thursday at some time, but whereas in Spain, it's like, you're kind of going out, um, every night even with if it's just like with your family and and going to i don't know have a coffee in the like nearby cafe but there's just more of a culture of being outside obviously due to the weather as well um than maybe maybe there is here in the u.s it's like that on the east coast versus west coast 
Oh, that's true, actually. Like, and, I, um, actually, I had the opportunity to compete in Finland um, in 2019. Oh. Um, and it's, yeah, it was kind of rainy and cold when I went, but I still loved the country because I was in um, Esfu, which is right outside of um, the capital. So it was really, it was really nice, but I do see kind of what Chloe was saying and what you say about um, in Finland, they are naturally a little bit more introverted and not that I got like a feeling of hostility or like people not being friendly. It was just that they were kind of, it was busy. The streets were busy, but like you weren't really interacting amongst each other. You were kind of just like to yourself. Um, Minding our own business. Yeah. Minding your own business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I remember going there as well. I went to Helsinki and you know, funny enough, it was raining and cold as well when I went there. Huh, coincidence. <laughs> oh, wait, raining and cold. Chicago's very similar. Yeah, so that that was our, my experience, at least there. But like Pooja said, it's not... The the thing to probably take away is, like, you know, it's not that people are hostile. Like you said, it's just um, a different culture of how people um, grow up and how they work, I guess. You know, you see that everywhere um, all over the world. But yeah, was there anything else that probably that you might want to add to that segment I know no I think we've kind of covered everything <laughs> unless you have any other questions or something I'm sorry if this wasn't super informative but Are yeah no it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks I think we should end on that oh yeah yes, for sure. definitely and it's strong exactly yeah, I'm finished <laughs> like, I'm done <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now um yeah anything from you guys no, this was really helpful. Yeah. It's interesting. I liked the discussion. Uh, oh, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah. I think we have to do more of the... I think the other one that we did on this epi- on something similar to this episode, we talked to um, Tomas, another student in our school who's in Portugal, and he gave us some like insight into those intercultural differences as well. But um, yeah, this was super informative. I think a lot of us can take away a lot from this and just, um, you know, it's very important to see those differences in culture and such. But anyway, so... That's pretty much all we had for you guys today. Thank you so much, Aino, for coming on today and giving us the time of your day to talk with us about all this. And no, thank you thank guys. you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you. And thank you guys for listening to Blurred Box with Chloe, Haven, Pooja, and Sophie. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blurred Box because we release episodes every Saturday. We would love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and questions, which you can email to blurredbox88 at gmail.com. And if you want to stay up to date, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Blurred Box for the latest updates. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.